the more we can adapt to the technology we have now and get that workflow processes aligned, then we can be effective in what we do. And we still have that ability to work from the heart, to affect patient care, to affect that process. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Radiology Report podcast, where we are having conversations with the leaders transforming radiology today. You can find us on radiologyreportpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Arnold. Today, we are joined by Diane Keene. Diane Keene brings over 25 years of experience in healthcare education, marketing, and practice development. The work she has done in radiology reflects her deep devotion to colleagues, patients, and the cause. She is widely known as a go-to expert in interventional radiology circles, as she lends her expertise to practices across the country. Whether it's fostering growth strategies in the office-based lab space, advocating for the importance of mammograms, or working alongside industry associations, Diane is a passionate advocate for the entire radiology field. After over 20 years in radiology private practice, Diane is now the Vice President of Strategy and Growth at Abidox. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored to have been asked. Absolutely. And you know, we'll get into your background and, and experience and what you're up to today. And you know, just for the listeners, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on the show in particular is you just have such a robust set of experiences helping radiology practices navigate growth. You know, one of the most common things that radiology leaders are tasked with is how do we grow? How do we continue to advocate for ourselves and our skills and the things that we can do to help patients? Um, how do we navigate the industry? And I think you've been there for every step of the way from sort of a different perspective than maybe a clinical leader has had, or even an operations leader, you know, sitting in the marketing role. So I'm really excited to learn together from you about, you know, what's made you so successful in your career and how the practices have grown alongside you. But let's dive in. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into the world of, of radiology? Daniel, I would say, honestly, that I did not find radiology. Radiology found me. It was really kind of unexpected. I never really considered actually never really considered where my career was going. It's funny when I think about it now, when I was in college, at some point, all of these overlapped, but I worked in the medical school library. I worked as a nanny and babysitter and daycare center worker. And I also um, worked in a hospital's intensive care unit and their marketing department. So it's funny now when I think about just my past and what led me to what I do now, how I'm really still doing the same thing now, 35 or more years later. So it's still education, it's still marketing, and it's still very clinically adjacent, um, that side of healthcare, and probably still babysitting a bit too. You know, after that, I, I went into a role in OB clinic as a case manager. And I think I'm a nurturer. I get that from my mother. I've always been a nurturer. And, you know, being in that role, again, and helping directly influence the patient care process was important to me, and I really enjoyed it. You know, all of that led me, again, this started many, many years ago, but to answer your question specifically about the radiology space, I had a friend who was the CEO of a bank who was best friends with the practice president of my local area's radiology group. Their marketing director was leaving and asked if I would be interested in 
talking to them about that role. So that is what specifically put me in the radiology space. And again, that was over 20 years ago. Amazing. And, and you start out in this role, director of marketing for radiology practice. Bring us to that time. What was the group like? How many doctors was it? What kind of services were you providing? And how did marketing play a role in the practice? Right. Okay. So when I was hired 20 years ago, the young woman who was the marketing director that I replaced had a specific role and she had been there for a while. So you can imagine this was the very early days really of even marketing a radiology practice. So when I came into the role, the expectations of me were deliver referral pads and cookies, or I think it was cakes at the time, to a certain set of referring physicians and that was really it. Oh, and I may have to pick up the dry cleaning of the radiologist from time to time. So that is the role that I found myself walking into and the expectations. That's not exactly what I do. Now, of course, yes, I never picked up dry cleaning. I will say that. But yes, we were delivering referral pads and, and cookies or cakes. And that was really the extent of expectations. But I quickly realized that there is this whole side of radiology that I never understood, and that was interventional radiology. And I realized very quickly of the procedures, what was going on in IR, and I was fascinated. So I thought, I can be delivering cookies and picking up dry cleaning, or I can become actively involved in educating both the referring physicians and the consumers of the potential patients about the procedures and the availability and the expertise found in interventional radiology. And that to me was a game changer. So from that day on, yes, I still had to um, support diagnostic modalities and that was fine too, but it was IR that really solidified my love of radiology. What about IR was so interesting to you? You know, about the same time that I started learning about IR, I had a family member, 29 years old, with three young children who was dying of breast cancer. And she was in the very late stages, but still aggressively choosing chemo, even though that really took her away from her children. She didn't want her children to see her until she got well. And realistically, she was never going to get well. That was painfully obvious. And I was watching her go through treatment that was just destroying her even quicker. No, not to chemo. There's a time and place for it. Absolutely. But to watch this happen to someone so young at the same exact time that I'm learning about procedures and treatments done in interventional radiology that might not save that patient's life, but might extend the length of their life. And it might make that time that they continue to live a little more less painful, and with a little more opportunity to actually get in that time with your loved ones without some of the same experiences that they may be having. And that in itself was just huge to me to realize that you could provide treatment to patients that were 
you know, non-surgical treatments that were other ways of administering oncology and cancer treatment that were less harsh. And, and really, that was it. But again, this was the early days. We weren't out talking about interventional radiology. We were delivering cookies and asking people to come to this CT center, whatever it was. So I think that's what really made me fall in love with IR was the oncology part, but then very quickly started working closely with the rats who were treating fibroids and doing UFE. And this again was early days. I mean, very early days. I think that when I started in the very early 2000s, UFE had only been introduced in this country in the mid to late 90s. So it was brand new. And it, as far as interventional oncology, I remember working with this practice and, and myself and the interventional rad who was taking the lead on oncology, he and I working together to go to the internal review board and, and talk to this IRB about why we needed to, you know, have their consent or blessing to offer Y90 at this hospital. So again, very, very early days. And I think that you know, being part of that, watching it evolve and watching it blossom into what it is now, on one hand, yes, it makes me feel old, but it also makes me have a true appreciation for it. Being around since the very beginning has solidified my love of IR, but it also, I think, has established me as someone that other practices and other radiology programs can trust because not that I'm necessarily any better than anyone else, but I have been around it for as long, if not longer, than most of the folks out there who are trying to grow IR programs. So I've just been around to see it all and do it all. Again, that comes with being old, I think. No, no, I think it comes with something different. I think it comes with maybe some intellectual curiosity and, and drive. I'm, I'm just so curious to think back to that time where your assignment is to go around and hand out flyers. And what you find is that this procedure, you know, what is UFE? walk me through that, but this procedure is game-changing and you, person who doesn't have any medical training, plays a really key role in trying to educate other physicians that they should really consider it and consider your group. That's not obvious to me that that would have been the case, that you know, that would have been a role that you took on. And so talk to me about how that happened and like how you actually would go and educate people. That is a great question, Daniel. And it's interesting. You're right. Most of the time when we think of hospital marketing or or radiology marketing, first of all, when we use that term radiology marketer or marketing and radiology, it really can be such a broad spectrum. Bet if you had 10 people sitting in front of you who said they were in radiology marketing, every single role would be different. So another thing to know about me, I guess that maybe it's just the way that I'm built, my personality, or maybe it's stubbornness. I'm not quite sure from where it actually originates. But for example, I've never applied for a job. I think maybe in, in my early career, maybe the job at the hospital ICU, maybe, I think, maybe not. I've never actually applied for a job. I've always either been brought in, like someone found me, brought me into the system, or I've realized what a program needed and said, here's what I see that you need. And here's how I'm going to provide a solution for you. And it turns into a job. So similar in the role that I created, the way that I restructured the role I was doing in this first IR and radiology job 
is I really realized I, I have this ability to kind of assess a situation. I have a lot of empathy. I can read the room. I can just figure out innately what's needed in a situation. And I realized very quickly that someone else could deliver a referral pad, but I was providing, maybe it's a passion, maybe it is just a true commitment to this interventional program because I cared. I really cared and I enjoyed it. But what I found myself doing is really spending as much time as I could with the interventional radiologist, watching procedures, listening to them do consults for patients, doing lunch and learns with physicians where I'm listening to them talk to these physicians. And of course, I'm not encouraging anybody to ask this of their hospital marketing team or their radiology marketers. It's not a normal expectation. And it really shouldn't happen unless there is a true understanding and a true trust of the interventional radiologist for me to kind of speak on their behalf. And, you know, some of it comes from my background. Of course, I wasn't trained clinically, but I've been clinically adjacent my entire career. So that comfort level with the clinical side of things and that understanding of the clinical side of things, I think has definitely led to this role. But you're right. I remember very early on going to oncologists in the town and talking about the program. And it really started with, do you know that this is available now? These are the patients that could be considered candidates for this treatment. This is the process by which you can get the patient to us. So it was really more logistical, but that very much evolved and it continues to evolve in that I've developed a trust from the radiologist, from interventional radiologists, from breast radiologists. That's another big interest of mine, women's health and mammo and the importance of mammograms. So breast programs are almost equally as important to me as IR. So I think developing an understanding of where my place is, but also maximizing the value of that time I have in front of a referring physician to talk to them about what really matters. And I think that it's professionalism. It's an it's a respect for their role. It's a respect for the interventional radiologist or the, the MAMO rad's role. And knowing that I am not in that role and nor do I ever expect to be treated like that. A peer-to-peer -peer is the most important conversation anybody can have to grow their business. But I can reflect some of that and I can, there are certain avenues in which I can speak on behalf of that program. And I think that's probably what has allowed me to do this in a role that would not necessarily be created to do that. So it evolved and I, I allowed it to evolve and I encouraged that evolution because I think it was needed and I think it has served me well and it has served the programs that I, I have worked with very well. Well, I think it's critically, critically important for anyone in a physician services marketing role to do what you did and spend time in the IR suite or in the at the workstation with the doctors talking through their work, why it matters to the patients, what the referring physicians care about, and learn to speak their language so that you can go and represent them as you did really effectively out in the field when you're trying to win over the community at large. And so I think that is the only model, even if it's not the easiest or or maybe the the model they thought of when they bring you in. It's it's I think the only model for success. And so it's important for people to hear. So as you kind of grow in your experience representing IR practices, representing how to grow these programs, Northside reaches out. Speaking of 
winning jobs through your network and reputation. And Northside is kind of the biggest game in town in Atlanta. Um, at the time, it was 40 docs. While you were there, I think it grew, you know, maybe doubled in size. Tell us a little bit about your time at Northside and what it was like working there during that period of growth. I will. Yes, absolutely. But let's do take a moment to talk about the transition from that IRDR practice I was working with in my more local hometown. I moved from that to a practice that was IR only, and within that, even more subspecialized to UFE only. And so you asked earlier what UFE actually is. So uterine fibroid embolization, which is a treatment to shrink and reduce the bulk of fibroids in the uterus so that the symptoms are not quite so debilitating. Most options prior to UFE for women who have fibroids were either a hysterectomy, just remove their whole uterus, or myomectomy to remove the fibroids there. But understand that when you do a myomectomy, most of the time you can never remove all of the fibroids. Sometimes you can, and that's fantastic, and it's a great option for many women. However, there are many women who, one, don't want to lose their uterus, or two, might not be candidates for surgery or just want a less invasive procedure. So again, in the early days of this, there was, and there still is in a lot of practices, this a lot of antagonistic relationship between the interventional radiologist and the gynecologist, because it's a turf battle, or it appears to be sometimes a turf battle if you're on the gynecologist side looking at what the interventional radiologists are doing. So there's a lot of emotion in that too. And in this role, I spent a lot of time with women who were suffering with fibroids and whether it was at health fairs or again, listening to consultations or finding myself in situations where um, we're doing a community health talk and I really can sit down and hear the pain, um, emotional pain and physical pain that these women were going through. And that probably made one of the most tremendous impacts on me about the value of interventional radiologists. Yes, of course, it started with the value for the oncology patients, but then you have this whole problem that might not be life-threatening to a woman, but it is it changes her life in every way. When you have someone whose whole entire being, their life, their work, their ability to be a wife or a mother or an employee is affected by fibroids, which it can cause one of the biggest symptoms of fibroids is just excessive bleeding. So you can imagine that when you are bleeding so much that you have to be within an hour of a restroom or you have to just plan every bit of your life around your period, that's a horrible way to have to live. And many women feel like that's their only choice because they don't want a hysterectomy. And that's all they know because no one has ever given them an option. So again, I put myself in that situation. My goal is to educate gynecologists or to help them, you know, again, early days, a lot of gynecologists just saw the antagonistic part of this. They, in those days, at least the ones I was working with at the time, not all of them, of course, weren't really taking the time to educate their patients on other treatment options. So that has evolved, of course. And now there are plenty of fantastic gynecologists who will also tell their patients there are other options to explore. But I think that spending time with those women who were suffering really, truly solidified that I knew my place was in interventional in both helping those women know that they have a solution and then helping their referring physicians maybe do a more comprehensive method of teaching their 
patients that there are other treatment options. Has UFE taken off as you would have hoped and expected? Okay, so yes, UFE is a tried and true and approved method for treating fibroids. It is approved by most insurances and it's become very common. There's still problems though enough. There are still plenty of women who don't know it's out there. So I think that collectively as a whole, the interventional radiology space have been trying and continues to try to just make sure that that understanding is out there. But yes, it has evolved. While at Northside, I worked with many gynecologists who were very supportive of the program and who referred patients on a daily basis. So that was refreshing too, to be in an environment where that was such a, a sought after and appreciated treatment. You asked me before about giving you an example of, of what one of these women might be going through and what kind of appealed to my heart when working with these women. And I, I there are so many stories and I, I really, I remember every one of them, but one in particular that I think that the visual here you can appreciate in, in both the good ways and the bad ways. But I met a young woman who was ultimately planning her wedding and her hysterectomy at the same time. And that's just such a dichotomy, right? The, the emotions on both sides of that, you're, you're planning your future life and, and you hope to maybe plan your future being a mother. And then, but you're also realizing that you have a problem that's so significant to you that you're going to have to have a hysterectomy. At least she thought she did. And I think that she was on a date with her now husband, but at the time, you know, getting involved with this man and, and wanting to marry him and knowing that that was the path they were taking. I remember her telling me they were at an outdoor concert and she was sitting on a rock wall. And all of a sudden she knew because she had a tremendous fibroid burden. So she, her fibroids have been causing her trouble for a long time. And she stands up and just bleeds everywhere. And there was no hiding it. It was on the wall. It was all over her. The, the boyfriend was seeing this. She was mortified. And these kinds of things continue to happen. So her gynecologist is telling her, well, you need to have a hysterectomy. That's your only choice. If you want this to stop, you have to have a hysterectomy. And so she didn't know otherwise. And so here she is planning her wedding, understanding that she can't have the hysterectomy scheduled until it was after the date of the wedding. So she's telling me, I couldn't even consider wearing a white dress to my wedding because I knew that I would be bleeding and, and I would not take that chance at my wedding. So she's worried about being able to wear a wedding dress. She's worried about having a hysterectomy right after her wedding. And it was just such a hard time for her. And her story was just so compelling. But she found out from a friend of a friend about a UFE procedure. And this was maybe right before her wedding and right before this hysterectomy was scheduled. She found out about UFE. She cancels the hysterectomy. She has a UFE, maybe about a little before, and was able to save her uterus, not have a hysterectomy. She wore a beautiful white dress to her wedding. And... I'm guessing I haven't been in touch with her. This has been many years ago, but became a mother because she didn't lose her uterus. When you realize that you can play a role in the lives of women like that, it is a tremendous gift. And again, I'm a nurturer. I work for my heart. So knowing that I have any tiny little role in making sure that women know about this treatment option has been just a very fulfilling part of my job. So much more fulfilling than delivering a referral pad and some cookies. So that is another way that IR has just added tremendous value to my life. To answer your question about Northside, 
I was working in this role and one of the leading interventional radiologists at Northside and, and really probably throughout the Southeast, if not the country, knew what I was doing from a mutual rep and wanted that for his practice and really lured me away and brought me to Northside. And yeah, Northside has a fantastic program. Absolutely. I signed my contract with Northside on 11, 11, 11. I always thought that was pretty lucky. And it was, it was a place that I was very happy to be. So at Northside, the interventional radiology program was actually quite strong. Even when I joined, Jason Levy was the chief of IR at Northside when I joined. And it's just a, a well, he's really, especially now, he's just become quite well known in the industry and he's very, can be very aggressive and he gets what he wants, which is great when you're the patient and he's fighting for you. It's great when he wants to hire you and he gets what he wants. So you get hired, but he and his nurse practitioner, McKenzie, were very good at, at understanding the need to build a relationship with Again, in the beginning, it was mostly UFE because Northside is a women's center. Northside delivers more babies than any other hospital in the country. So you can imagine the um, amount of GYN providers in the area. So Jason and McKenzie did an excellent job of building those relationships, letting them know what they were doing in IR and how to get patients to them. But of course, they did that really well, so it got really busy. So then they needed to focus more on the clinical side of what they needed to do to take care of these patients and brought me in to kind of pick it up and take it from there. Also, again, this is a multimodality, all specialty group, diagnostic and IR. So I also work very closely with the breast care program, and that is another program at Northside that's just tremendously successful and impactful and became a big part of my life at Northside. It's amazing how jumping in with a good team is so important. Sounds like here, you know, finding the right physician leader who is building the reputation as, you know, one of the best of the best, and then being able to grow the impact that they have by, you know, helping educate other people about the programs. And so it sounds like you helped them really grow and scale both their IR practice, especially their women's IR practice and the breast center. What were some of the challenges that you faced scaling the group as, as you kind of went from, you know, you know, everybody and you're, you're in kind of one, one site or, you know, just a few sites to, you know, the growth that you experienced during that decade. Right. So at Northside, it is definitely a professional services only. So Northside never owned any of these modalities or any of the imaging centers professional service only, which is actually also an interesting dynamic to having someone work for a practice that isn't trying necessarily to drive business to their centers. Northside Hospital has a large team of liaisons who are dedicated strictly to radiology, which is unusual. I haven't really seen a team like that with any other practice I've ever dealt with, but they do. And so they have a team that's out there in the communities driving business to the imaging centers in those areas. And, and you know, Atlanta is such a huge market and Northside extends way down into middle Georgia, up into the borders of the North Georgia mountains. So a lot of work there for the practice by these liaisons. So I did not have to continue. I wasn't the one delivering referral pads anymore, if you will. But that allowed me, of course, the opportunity to reach more gynecologists as well as oncologists. When I started at Northside, 
there was not a liver tumor board, lots of tumor boards, but not one for liver. And if we're going to grow a Y90 practice, you can't do that without a tumor conference dedicated to liver and without the support of the Cancer Institute and liver surgeons and other oncologists and gastroenterologists who are all part of this team when it comes to treating patients with Y90. So I saw the need. So I developed the tumor board. I started building really strong relationships with leadership of the Cancer Institute so that IR or some of our breast treatments weren't an afterthought, that that was one of the things that as they grew and as they scaled to really build this very impressive Cancer Institute that rivals, I think, probably nearly all community cancer centers in the country. I never wanted radiology to be left out of that. So as that scaled and as Northside continued to grow, at one point, Northside bought all of the MedQuest imaging centers in Georgia. So what felt like overnight, we doubled the size of our imaging center outreach. So all of those things compounded to, yes, a lot more centers, a lot more communities, which meant a lot more physicians that now we wanted to make sure that they knew of the significance and the value of IR, of Northside's breast care program. So a lot of new people to educate. I think that maybe was one of the biggest things for me with that scale is just a broader base. And of course, I am one person. Fortunately, they do have a, a large team out supporting radiology as a whole. But that was one of the one of the bigger things that changed as Northside grew. And then, of course, Northside Radiology was very committed to growing as Northside Hospital grew. So then that evolved into a really big part of my role. I guess you could say it was still marketing because then I was advocating for the practice, but was in reaching um, other radiologists to recruit and bring into Northside. And that, again, became a very valuable service that I offered because, again, I think I mentioned earlier, being able to communicate with people and, and develop relationships and read the room or kind of see the need allowed me to really um, become quite good at it. But, you know, it's easy to recruit for Northside Hospital and Northside Radiology because it is such a phenomenal system and a phenomenal group. So in those days, recruiting wasn't a hard thing to do. It, I loved every moment of it. And I still, you know, from the early days, even until now, the radiologists that I brought in and I recruited, I just, I feel so protective. I feel like a mama bear. And I had just really fantastic relationships with great people. So I think that was one of the really great things about the scale and the growth is really being able to become that integral part of bringing new radiologists into the practice. I think it's really important for folks. So my background, I worked at Google. So when I think of marketing, I think of like AdWords, digital ads, Facebook ads, maybe Instagram ads, whatever it might be, but that's where my mind goes. And I think something like developing a tumor board conference doesn't sound like marketing. It, it's not. I mean, really, it is not. But it is. But it is. And I think that's what's so important is, you know, that's hard work, you know, it's to put together something of value educationally. But the marketing impact of such work is sort of leaps and bounds more powerful than, you know, an ad, whether that ad be an in-person ad or a digital ad or whatever it might be. So I think it's really helpful to hear some of the types of marketing experiences that had you know, really big impact and, and big impact it did because, uh, you know, it, it ends up the practice grows so much. It becomes acquired by by rad partners. It sounds like your role changes a bit during that time as, as things go a little bit more nationally focused. 
tell me a little bit about what the experience was like working on a national context within the marketing space. And then we can kind of get into sort of what came after Rad Partners. Right. So that is a great question. And and again, it is an interesting progression. So Northside was acquired in the summer of 2019 by Rad Partners. And at the time, it was very much, you know, you, you still functioned the same way in your local market. Nothing specifically at that time changed. So we were still Northside Radiology Associates. We were still functioning as we always had. And that's 2019. Well, then, of course, we get into 2020 and everything changes for everybody. So there was this period of time where there still was this buffer and there was this difference because everybody, of course, was focused on how do we take care of patients? How do we take care of our staff? How do we continue to do business during COVID and during you know a time when when a lot of routine screening or non-emergent studies were being delayed or canceled. So that kept us a little distant as well. Yes, we're part of Red Partners, which was, you know, tremendous support to the group during this time, but there was also a lot of, at least in my role, distance because we were trying to take care of things locally. We were trying to make sure that our staff was taken care of and that our physicians were okay and well and keeping you know their heads above water during this time. So as we started to learn how to live and work and function in this new world, I started getting you know calls from Rad Partners. So every practice in Rad Partners during that time was still locally led. So again, you might have 10 marketing directors around this large national group that all have very different jobs. So when you all come together as part of this national organization, yes, they have a marketing PR communications department, but their role is entirely related to marketing and communications and the growth of the overall entity of radiology partners without a true, and admittedly so, I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn by saying that admittedly this communications and growth department did not have any experience with the local practice level of marketing, the local practice level of what the needs are to grow and market a radiology team. So they became quite dependent on those of us, several practices within this large group that had experienced marketing teams. So then we start, you know, I start working closely with that team because as they started acquiring even more practices, they would get calls from these groups that say, hey, I need an interventional radiology brochure. You're the marketing department. Can you help me? And they realized quickly that that was a little bit out of their experience at the time. So then I would get the phone call, Diane, we're trying to work on a brochure for a practice for IR. And we know you have that experience. Can you help us? Can you edit it? And that was a, a really quick lesson, I think. And I, I took what they had understanding, of course, that this was not their experience. I, I did not expect it to be good, but I looked at it and I thought, no, I cannot edit this, but I can start over and I can create something that will be effective for this practice. And I did. So, you know, gradually those asks started becoming more frequent. And again, I didn't wait for something to develop. I kind of tried to carve out my own niche there to say, look, here's my area of expertise. Here's what I do. I've been doing it for 20 years. So 
why not take some of my experience and, and scale it and offer to more practices than just Northside? Now, there was a, some heartache in that for me because I love Northside radiology with my entire heart that practice the physicians, everything about it. And when it was sold, you know, that there's always this hesitation of what is that going to mean for us? What, what does that mean? But at the same time, at Northside, when Northside was a solo entity, I was very happy in what I did, but there was absolutely nowhere to grow within that. I mean, I was doing what I was going to do at the top level, so there was nowhere to go. When you become part of a larger entity and you realize, okay, there could be some growth opportunities or some career opportunities that I didn't have before. So again, I kind of carved out that niche and I said, here's what you need and here's what I can do to help you solve that. And so, yes, my my role started becoming primarily the Eastern region, but again, still getting the requests from all over just because of, of, again, not any better than anyone else. I'm just older and I've done it longer. So it was very interesting. I was able to work. It, it kind of became this joke that the leadership in my area called me the fixer. And it ended up being that if a practice was struggling in whatever way, sometimes it was operational that led to stagnant, no growth or just stagnant volume. Sometimes it was the lack of a true marketing plan or structure. And so they would bring me in. So for example, all of 2022 or most of the year I spent in Nashville working with, with a large group of imaging centers there. And then by the end of the year, as that became more stabilized, then my role moved to New Jersey. So I was primarily helping this practice in New Jersey with their marketing strategy, still doing recruiting for Northside and, and the job I had at Northside never disappeared. So it just becomes compounded, right? And, and you end up, I think on some level, you can't do everything well if you're trying to do it all. And, and the the load of that was, was a lot. And when I found myself doing parts of the job that, yes, I can do in my sleep, I've done for 20 years, but like the just strategy and the development of the brochures and the outreach on diagnostic, it's all good. And I really appreciate doing it, but it's not where my passion sat. And it really, I felt like I was becoming a little bit limited in that. Um, I was doing good work, great team that I was working with and around, and I really appreciated getting to know even more practices intimately. But at the same time, I tend to be a bit of a free range chicken. And I like carving out this path where I can look and see a need and try to fulfill it. So I got to that point where, okay, I'm being moved from practice to practice, which is fun, which is great. Uh, again, I love meeting the different teams and working but at the same time, it was starting over every time. And it was starting over back at what I've always done. Well, and it sounds too like part of where there was a lot of returns in your career was getting close to the patients, close to the referrings in the community, close to the doctors that you're working with versus consulting, which is kind of sounds like what you were doing. You parachute in for one of your partner groups and help them out for three months. I've personally never found that to be as fulfilling as being in the trenches with the team and building over that impact over time. So I could see how that change as you kind of needed to focus on the impact you could have across the national practice could be maybe a little less less fulfilling than sort of working with a group of people. So so it kind of dovetails nicely into your new career where you, you found a smaller company 
not a young company. It's a company that's been sort of alive and kicking and thriving in the radiology technology space. So still close to home in some ways, but definitely a different muscle as as you transition to Abidox. So tell us a little bit about what is Abidox? It's, you know, no longer interventional radiology services. What What drew you to it? And, you know, what are you guys doing today? Thank you for asking. Yes, great question. It, it's interesting because being in private practice radiology for so many years, I never really considered the vendor side of it. Now, I've always worked very closely with the RBMA, with SIR, with, with other organizations being on their committees and speaking at their conferences and engaging with various practices, even through them. So through the years of especially RBMA membership and attending the RBMA conferences, I knew of Abidox and I knew the people that would attend these conferences. And so I thought, well, I know your name and I know your people. What I realized, of course, is, but I didn't know your product. So that was an interesting thing to see. And earlier in the year, the CEO of Abidox, Yaniv Dagon, reached out to me. I think we had recently been at a conference and he just said very eloquently, if and when you ever want a career change, do me the honor of having a conversation with me before you make any decisions. Like, don't accept anything until we've spoken. And I don't know that he really expected that to happen so quickly, but I started really considering, you know, maybe, maybe it is time. It had been 20-ish years doing what I was doing. Maybe it was time for a new adventure. And again, I'm I'm not young. So if I wanted to make a change, I thought well, this is a, probably a pretty good time to do it. So I reached out to him and, and we had a very long conversation. And again, I was just exploring options at the time. The thought of going to the vendor side really gave me some pause because again, I work from my heart. I care about the patient. I care deeply about my colleagues. Those are the places where I feel like in my radiologist, I feel like I have an impact. So suddenly I'm considering going to the vendor side and it's also IT. I know nothing about IT other than, you know, I, I mean, I understand the basics of, of why our systems need to work in order to do our jobs, but I'm not an IT person. I don't claim to be an IT person. But when I had this conversation with Abidox, the CEO, he's talking to me about the product and really what Abidox is, it is a cloud native, it provides a cloud native, fully integrated workflow solution. So it's a, a end-to-end self-contained ecosystem and everything they do. And this is where he got me. I think this is what made me really listen. Everything they've built in the way that Abidox has evolved over the past 20 years has solely been based on helping the practice do their jobs effectively, which helps the patient. So when he's describing this workflow solution to me, yes, it honestly, it is a fantastic solution. It's almost one of those best kept secrets because like me, I think I've realized this and a lot of my colleagues in the industry, you know, the name of Abidox, you know, the people that are the leadership of Abidox, but you might not really know the solution. You think you know them because you know of them. So as I began to learn and realize, wait a minute, this is actually a very tremendously valuable solution that is because it's fully integrated, it, it's all self-contained. And for example, a user never even has to leave the platform to get everything done from the time that referral comes in from the physician 
through the end of that engagement. But what he said to me that got me though was this, the reason we do this and the reason I built this company and the reason this company has evolved is because if this solution works, if this workflow provides a solution so that the person sitting in the seat, so what would have been my colleagues in, in the clinical side of radiology, the person sitting in that seat has an easier time doing their job and it's less stressful, it's more efficient. There's no disparate systems that you're trying to get into multiple systems to do the job. They're happier. They care about the end user, but also he said that and he said, because then what happens if that person sitting in that seat working in these centers is happier and less stressed about their work, what is ultimately going to happen? The patient experience is going to be better. So we do this for the unsung heroes working in our centers and we do it for the patients. And it was kind of like, okay, so because I realized our cultures were aligned. Well, I might be sold now. So, but tell me, so this is, you know, a far cry from dropping off referral pads. So what's your job going to be? How are you going to help them grow? That is a great question as well. So again, I think for, we're getting to know each other for some of your listeners who maybe know me again, being involved with organizations like SIR, RBMA, I've developed a, a big group of friends, colleagues, relationships. And when I'm at these conferences, again, I work from the heart. What you see is what you get. I am going to unapologetically be myself. I used to kind of make apologies for working from the heart because I thought that made me weak. And I thought the fact that sometimes I care so much that it affects me emotionally. You know, I always saw that as a weakness. I think our culture kind of forces us to think that. But I, I've gotten to a point in my life now where I make no apologies for that. I work from my heart. That's what you get, period. So in these conferences, in these organizations, I am building relationships that are heartfelt. There's nothing fake about me. There's nothing pretentious. I just am who I am. And, I, and I've built some really strong relationships. And so I've served these organizations well. They have been very kind to me in the invitations to speak, to lend my subject matter expertise in various topics on behalf of, of their conferences. And I think that Abidox was seeing this happen. Yaniv and team were seeing me in the industry relate to people, seeing the content that I, I am putting out on LinkedIn that a lot of times is just, I put it there to, if it can inspire somebody or help somebody or give someone an idea if I can connect people, if I know of someone who needs something and I know the solution is in this person, I, I love nothing more than connecting them. So they're watching that and they're seeing me in the industry. And that is one of the things when we had that initial conversation is I want you to do exactly what you do. I want you to be yourself and continue doing what I've watched you do for years peripherally. I just want you to do it for us. And fortunately, what they said to me in that is exactly what I'm doing. So again, I mentioned earlier that a lot of people think they know Abidox because they know the name. They think they know Abidox because they know Yaniv or Adam or Laurent or Rafa or the people who are at these conferences representing, but they don't really know the product. So now that I am fully committed and appreciating this solution that they offer, now my job is to make sure that more people in the industry just know the product. They know me. I think, uh, uh, fortunately, people look at me and go, okay, well, if Diane chose to work there and she believes in this, maybe I should at least listen. Maybe I should have a demo. And that's really my ultimate goal. So 
I'm doing exactly what I've always loved. The beauty of it though, Daniel, is that it doesn't take me away from the parts of my job that I dearly love. I'm still very involved in interventional radiology through consulting. I still consult with practices all over the country. I'm still very involved in organizations that support IR. The same with MAMO. And one of the, the things that we are refining right now at Abidox is our breast care and MAMO workflow solution. So it allows me to do things in this job I, I never even went in expecting to do, like work with the development team who, who are developing these programs and writing the code and doing all the IT things that are way over my head. I can still add value even to that side of it because I know the other side. And I know what's going to happen when someone in a breast care center needs to use this program and how that workflow moves from the front to the tech, to the radiologist and beyond. So again, I'm, I'm adding value even to the development side of the IT team. So I get to touch it all and it's been amazing. And I, I've never had one second of hesitation that this is absolutely the right place for me to be because I still get to be involved with the radiologists that I hold so dear. I get to be involved with the colleagues in the industry and the people who support these centers where, where I started and where my heart really still lies. And also um, it's affecting patient care. So I'm still doing exactly what I've always done and what made me love radiology, just in a different capacity, wearing a different hat. Well, I am very excited for the career move and excited to hear what you accomplish as you get into it a little further. I'm also excited to see and learn from you as you give more talks at, you know, places like the SIR and the various places where where you've been spreading the word. I've been learning a lot as I've been reading and following. Time for for one more question. There's there's a lot to hit next time that we didn't get to this time, but you know, as as you think about the future and all of the changes that are coming. You're now in the IT world. So you're kind of hearing all of the challenges that people are feeling from a practice management standpoint. You've got a lot of challenges around consolidation. You get a lot of challenges around margins. And but I come back to the patient impact and the you know passion that you feel for the job. How do you think about the industry? You know, is your outlook bright over the next 20 years of your career and and how do you you know maintain that positivity as you look out wow that's a tough question um it's a great question so you know as i'm looking into how we've come to where we are now and and where that might lead first of all of course in our whole lives you know we are so driven by the technological advances and, and the ability to have systems support what we do to take away some of the hard parts so that we can focus on patient care and not letting that fall, you know, cuts to reimbursement. That's a whole topic for another podcast with people far wiser than me, but it is certainly something that impacts us on a daily basis. I think that teleradiology and, and the ability to practice radiology from remote locations we even are seeing remote technologists, you know, so so one technologist can can view multiple studies going on at once and really take care of, especially an MRI, 
take care of several different centers at once because we all know we, we see challenges in hiring. We see challenges in staffing. We certainly are seeing challenges in finding radiologists. I, I don't think the programs are putting out enough rads to fill the position and the backlog that we currently have. And I don't really see any of those going away anytime soon. So I think that as we continue to look at ways whether it's AI technology, whether it is workflow solutions, all the ways in which we can streamline the process so that the people that are still in these seats, whether it's the radiologist or the tech or the scheduling coordinator in an imaging center or the marketing teams representing these radiology groups, I think the more we can adapt to the technology that we have now and get the, some of that workflow and some of just the processes aligned, then we can be effective in what we do. And we still have that ability to work from the heart, to affect patient care, to affect that process. And just to continue to remain strong in this industry, I, I think that healthcare as a whole faces so many challenges. And, and we all know this and we talk about it constantly. But I think within the world of radiology, you know, a few things that that I would say in order to stay where we are and for practices to succeed whether they are practices that are committed to remaining independent or larger practices that are consolidated. And, you know, there are, there are struggles with both sides of that. But I think there are certain things that we just all have to keep a handle on. And, and one of those is, and I tell everyone I work with this, continue to value your marketing department. There's a big trend to when finances are tight or reimbursement is slow, let's just get rid of marketing. But I think that is short-sighted. And I think that as long as practices remember that, we still have to know our referring providers. We still have to provide a service in our local markets. That those are the things that are going to see us through the hard times and allow us to continue to evolve and allow us to continue to provide the level of service that that's expected of us in this industry. Great answer. And I, I just think you're the coolest. I, I hope we have a chance to meet soon. You, you know, I, I it's funny. IR is the one place that I don't play a lot in yet because we haven't figured out the right way to educate IR on our platform. So we do a ton of courses on you know brain imaging and breast imaging and prostate imaging. But the reason you can do these simulation courses by, you know, you look at a DICOM image of a brain and you can kind of scroll through it and you can work through it and have an expert kind of walk you through the case. But nothing mimics the hands-on experience with the IRR. Oh, of course not. But you know what, though? Even in educating um, what you're doing and providing education, think about it. So I'm, I'm assuming primarily you're educating diagnostic radiologists. That's our market, yeah. But there's also, too, this need to, I didn't talk about this before, I tend to talk way too much, but you know, one of the, the needs of educating within the world of IR is educating the diagnostic radiologist, because that a lot of times is very lacking. And there are many, many, many practices where the diagnostic team has no idea what the IR team is doing. So there's a very important need to educate diagnostic radiologists on, you know, you, you're doing a prostate MRI and see this enlarged prostate. Well, did you know that the interventional radiologist can embolize that and do a prostate artery embolization to shrink that prostate? They're looking at abdominal and pelvic images and they're seeing the fibroids. Are they considering, do my IR partners do UFE? Can they treat this? They're the spine and the, the neuro people and some of the ortho people are identifying vertebral compression fractures through MRI. Are they thinking about the fact that 
our interventional radiologists can treat that. So there's a lot of ways, even in the education of diagnostic radiologists and MRI, that you can bring IR into that conversation. Yeah, no, that's super clever. Great conversation. I, I think your career is really, really exciting. I think it's helpful for people to hear your story and see other ways to get involved in our industry, which is one that helps so many people and is so dynamic. So I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing both your, your career and your view of the future and really looking forward to watching you continue to do great work. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate being here. Thank you again for the invite. And I have really enjoyed this conversation. Maybe we will have to do a follow-up and, and continue the conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Radiology Report podcast. Be sure to visit us at the radiologyreportpodcast.com or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts to join us for our next episode. We are always looking for great guests. If you have someone you'd like to hear on the show, please get in touch with us online. 